0: What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, giving you another week of what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan, joined by my trusty co-host, Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, what's going on, man?
1: Judas and the Black Messiah, we did it, man. Yeah. Nominations aplenty.
0: (laughs) If If you're a loyal Nostalgia fan, you'll know that last week we did our Oscar nomination predictions. And so we want to kick off today's show talking about the nominations that were released this morning and dave how did we do in terms of our predictions
1: uh, well, i think we did well for, because there wasn't anything too surprising like it was more or less what was expected or at least what was theorized as being possible i think the most surprising thing is that lakeith stanfield was nominated best supporting actor mm-hmm. partially because he was also ran as a supporting actor despite having even more screen time than daniel kaluuya Mm -hmm. The favorite and of course also was nominated so was great that like keith was recognized obviously i'm happy about that it was you know it's a good performance and he's one of the best actors we have but didn't didn't see that one coming gotta be honest
0: yeah no me neither um i i definitely when i saw that my i gave a little look like huh this seems a bit like they're uh you know gaming the the nomination system a bit but you know what good for him shout out to our guy like Stanfield I think I was most surprised at a a category which felt pretty solid or we felt pretty confident was probably going to be just chalk which was best director and we still got four out of the five but Aaron Sorkin left off and Thomas Vinterberg for another round got the nomination what do you think about that
1: yeah I mean I think it speaks to the academy growing more and more uh broad as they've been adding thousands of members the past you know five years or so Mm -hmm. notably from what i understand the directing branch is more international think of powell Palakowski being nominated for cold war just two years ago this is very similar to that we expect another round of course to win best international film where it was nominated that's the overwhelming favorite there but yeah that's awesome to see and i think yeah in terms of chicago 7 it's not for Best Picture. It's nominated for Screenplay. But leaving Sorkin off for director does kind of sit well with me because it was not like it was remarkably directed, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I'm, 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 t- I'm totally fine with that one.
0: Yeah, I, if there's one of the uh, original five to leave off, I think it was definitely him. And just looking at this Best Director category, I mean, we really only have one veteran director in david fincher um at least veteran in terms of uh award nominations and Mm, mainstream movies so uh pretty interesting i think we kind of see that throughout a lot of people getting their first nominations um you know another nomination that i think surprised me going back to the best supporting actor category is paul racy uh for sound of metal which we, we thought was a long shot but something i think we both were hoping for gave a great performance um Really hoping that he gets uh, gets to enjoy this nomination. He's probably not going to win, but definitely a, a cool nomination for sure. Anything else stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, best picture went
1: with just eight movies
0: starting next year. It's going to
1: be mandatory ten again. It started out as ten when it expanded, then it went from five to ten. It's usually been eight or nine. Uh, notably, you'll know Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and One Night in Miami did not make it into Best Picture. You'd have to f- figure. They would have been 9 and 10. And then Defy Bloods is probably 11 in terms of what everyone was expecting, what we had seen from other voting bodies leading up to this. You know, uh, Sound of Metal did get in. Father does get in. Bora 2 was a long shot, doesn't get in. But I was, I was surprised to see both the, the stage adaptations not make it, but that's also probably why they didn't get in, was just that not everyone was as sold on them as Best Picture plays. Obviously, they're represented elsewhere. Uh, mainly in acting
0: yeah and not not i don't always agree with the academy on these things but i think out of the uh out of the categories if, if you were gonna leave two off out of the 10 that were expected those were probably the two i would have left off as well have you um, we still haven't seen the father true uh which i'm expecting to, to blow my socks off by all the nominations it's getting so expectations <laughs> high can never be let down um yeah you know i i think the only other thing that i'm like so I'm like looking at these nominations and kind of like, huh, is. So Juice and the Black Messiah, two actor nominations, original screenplay nomination. Mm-hmm. Do you think this has a real shot at possibly uh, taking Best Picture home?
1: Right. I should have noted, too. That was another one on the bubble for Best Picture, and it seems to get in quite handily, as you said, other nominations. Uh, hard to say yet. I I would lean. I would lean no with jock king not nominated for best director and mm-hmm. but and like nomadland and then minari i'd say are our top leading contenders and we can probably mm-hmm. take chicago seven down a peg after the sorkin uh omission mm-hmm. but it's more plausible today than it was last week no question there for judas
0: i'm um, uh, i'm gonna call it now i think it's i think it's got a really good shot i think that'll be my my like dark horse pick when we do our predictions
1: and it, it would be quite interesting too because as far as i know it was just removed off HBO max remember the per warner brothers strategy everything is day and date with theaters for the first 30 days and then leaves max and remains in theaters and concludes a traditional windowing i believe one of them in 1984 and the little things are now off for example and tom and jerry soon to follow that uh it'll be interesting to see if they actually keep that going with Judas, cause you'd have, you, you'd think that making it is available to everyone. as possible right now for this voting uh, campaign would make sense. Again, Nomadland readily available on Hulu, Chicago seven on Netflix, you know, um, Minari on VOD. So something to watch there, but um, yeah, I mean, that would be, that'd be amazing if that happened. And cause it's, you know, it's probably the, most late breaking uh, film into the field, right? Like the father had been seen by critics and the Academy mm-hmm. for a while now, you know, mm-hmm. even though the public hasn't seen it. So the Judas is kind of like the
0: the latecomer in terms of anything with real juice behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call that as my dark horse now. Uh, we'll talk about that more in the future. Also, just one thing I just noticed here, the white tiger uh, got nominated for uh, adapted screenplay. Yeah. Another uh, latecomer. Cool. Did not yeah, cool. see that coming.
1: Yeah, so. had some Bath to love as well. Um, yeah, that's cool with me. Sure, sure. Um, um, one thing I think we didn't talk about this last week, but if you look at Best Visual Effects, it's not the most uh, remarkable group year over year, mm-hmm. and that's actually the category that is most affected by all the movie delays. It's just that ah, shortlist yeah. for effects in general is just not the most impressive list of movies when it comes to this. So you'll see a movie like Mulan nominated today. Now, i don't know that people that are super enthusiastic about that film's effects but it also comes to the point of like who else are you picking there's yeah. like so many movies with standout effects i'd certainly hope tenant or mank wins that
0: <laughs> please well Mank isn't even uh up in visual effects they got tenant the midnight sky love and monsters Mulan, and the one and only ivan so oh okay tenant no, please yeah. there yeah, we go yeah it has to
1: be tenant i was i was bummed about tenant missing out on score ludwig Göransson. yeah what? just because that score rips apparently it's a little more polarizing i think that score is incredible and really works with the movie that one's tough we knew they weren't he wasn't going to win with trend atticus ross sweeping for soul to this point uh-huh. i think De plot's nominated for midnight sky too but like it's pretty low to field but man that one stinks right because he's like a uh up and rising coming. superstar score at this point you know would have been yeah. a I
0: think, cool nod the tenant disrespect continues, man. Check out our uh, best movies of 2020 to hear my opinion on that. <laughs> but you know, why don't we move from one award show to another? The Grammys, airing last night, hosted by Trevor Noah, uh, a lot of the awards got given out beforehand. So the so first stupid. hour was just performances, which is, I mean, fine, but it's it, you know, this is a three and a half hour award show why
1: yeah maybe i'm just too old school but i like seeing people win awards and then give an acceptance speech doing like one or two an hour that's tough man it's like three (laughs) hours and 40 minutes the show is not short and it's i mean yeah say you give every performer nominated for like record of the year song of the year whatever you give every one of them a spot there's still a lot of fat you could have cut out and actually gave out awards. I found it rather insulting that only one rap category was even on the telecast. Mm -hmm. Everything else is given out ahead of time. And it's not that they just announce; they do give it out. And like the person like walks up and wins it if they're there, but it's just pre the start of the real telecast. Mm -hmm. I don't
0: understand that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think some of the performances were really interesting and enjoyable. I just uh felt like the pacing of it was just so off you know it got, got to like the 10 30 mark and I was like we've seen i think two awards to this point like when, when is everything going to be given out and you know backloading it especially with these bigger awards i mean you how many people probably suck around i know i turned it off around 11 and just kind of kept up with it through twitter as i got ready for bed it was just mm. it was too much you
1: know yeah i ended up doing the opposite I didn't watch the first like 90 minutes mm. um and missed very little especially because <laughs> a lot of awards i was really interested in were given out ahead of time yeah <laughs> what the hell like why is best new artist not done on the show
0: i have no idea
1: especially when you're giving it to magnus stallion like what the hell
0: <laughs> oh, um she uh, she did receive the award on the show did she yeah it stallion, got it yeah she it, it, i, I okay. remember very clearly because I, I saw Phoebe bridgers and her and i was like hey, this is funny that it wasn't her. like
1: from earlier in the day
0: no no it, it was actually okay. that one was given out live but yeah like for example, there were like Katy Rennata. I know that that best dance album is almost never given out. It's like the first time a, a black person has ever won best dance yeah. album. It's like how yeah, are, you, are you? How are you not like highlighting this? And um, yeah,
1: it's tough. I mean, I mean, I can't get best rap album not on the show. The most popular stupid. music genre that is ridiculous. And Nas
0: wins. Right. And
1: I, that's the thing. They've done it before on the show but that's when they nominate drake or kendrick or someone more famous and it's kind of shallow like Recording academy tricks you know it's like Mm -hmm. oh no one's really tuning in no look at nas and freddie gibbs and d smoke and j electronica so we'll just do it ahead of time but like it's just completely out of touch
0: yeah it's but uh meanwhile beyonce gets shouted out a hundred times for breaking the grammy record which i'm not I'm not in any way bashing beyonce. she's an amazing artist. I do just want to say only one of those awards is in one of big categories uh which yeah she's never
1: won album of the year so, people know
0: <laughs> you know it's it's tough but um yeah i mean i I felt pretty satisfied with with a lot of the awards given out last night. There were some that were like very Grammys picks i mean her for that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was ridiculous. What? That was ridiculous. To be honest, I think I her wins for
1: uh, yes. record of the year, song of the year.
0: um It was song of the year for "I Can't Breathe." Yeah, um, which and I get
1: it. It's a vote for the sentiment. Yes, I understand that. That is not a song people listen to. No, it's not even a song people were super ecstatic about. Hmm. Think about "Little Babies" the bigger picture, which he performs on the show and has like really impressive production design accompanying it that just has completely nothing to do with the song itself like that also kind of rubs me the wrong way it's like little baby was getting credit for not saying anything on the song and then you have killer mike like legitimizing him when we could have just nominated something actually radical and meaningful like run the jewels in the first place and let them perform yeah you know yeah, There's there a few things, and like the her pick, come on, man.
0: I know, like, it, like I get you're
1: voting for the sentiment, but it's awfully shallow because it's not music people like or right. thought it was that great. Like, and, her is a really talented person, multiple instrumentalist. The Grammys love her, I understand why they love her, but song of the year, that's it's, it's ridiculous,
0: yeah. And we, we got a similar thing with record of the year, I felt like, with, with Billie Eilish, uh, winning mm-hmm. everything I wanted, which. Again, not to get anything away from them as, perf- as performers or artists. Billie Eilish, we we stand. I mean, we, we it's loved a good her song. last album. Yeah, but, it's a really good song.
1: <laughs> Record of the year, though? No. 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 And you could tell how surprised Billie and Phineas were when they won. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? <laughs> they were there to win for the James Bond song, which mm-hmm. they did, No Time to Die. Hilarious, because that movie is not out yet. <laughs> that was fine. That was good. She was clearly the pick in that category. Mm-hmm. She did not need to win
0: for everything I want. That was ridiculous yeah uh pretty crazy um meanwhile megan the stallion uh like won for best new artist i believe she also won for um, Uh, raps
1: uh rap rap duo performance she won for savage remix i believe twice yeah also best rap song
0: yes um so you know uh shout out to her she's great and gave a Uh, performance that i think should have been uh no show for work but uh primetime tv got those ass got the ass clapping uh shout out to her (laughs) man like her and cardi b cardi b uh, her performance made me feel like i was on drugs uh phenomenal good stuff yeah
1: very chromatica vibes to be honest with the
0: aesthetic which was great loved it um any other performances that from the night that really stood out to you
1: For bad reasons, I think DaBaby and Roddy doing Rockstar stood out because it's another example of the Grammys not treating rap with the right amount of respect. They're dressing up this song with a chorus and this like weird cadence, like a hymn. For what reason? You can't just perform the song as it is, as it actually exists. Why are you doing this to this song? as if to class it up for the telecast. You know, I find that insulting. I do think in parts it was kind of cool. I thought the baby did well. I thought Roddy in general was a little off all night. I don't know why the hell he closed the show with a really weird medley. Like of all the songs that pick, I was like, if you're going for that slow vibe in the beginning, why didn't you perform like War Baby or something that has a chorus in the fir- choir in the fir- mm. first place, right? I thought Roddy was a little off all night, especially having him anchor it. Again, like there's just fat on the show you can cut you know um I mean I thought Harry was a little flat with watermelon sugar his win really? was a surprise
0: yeah but basically. he
1: that was a little flat too like he he's better than that
0: yeah you know I I liked the vibe they were going for but also you know uh I recognized Dev Hines playing bass and found out afterwards that Dev Hines arranged the whole thing and I was like oh yes this is art now I now I understand it so <laughs> I'm just like totally brainwashed I'll I'll admit that um a lot of the the songs kind of were toned down in some way, or like taking a, an interesting like perspective. I mean, we got a, a whole Taylor medley. She won for album of the year, Folklore. Which is just like, man, I don't know. Future Nostalgia was right there, and Dua Lipa gave a freaking awesome performance. Like, what are we doing? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I'm I'm less. I'm not, I can say I'm mad about folklore winning album of the year. Like obviously it wasn't my pick and we haven't talked about the weekend who also would have been my pick if of he had been recognized, <laughs> he was not recognized at all. Right. Uh, funny enough, uh, Zane is also trumpeting the uh, crusade now against the Grammys in terms of transparency and our guy on that. So that's probably the most uh, remarkable thing. I I would say Zane has done of late, so I'm happy he's doing that. <laughs> Keep it going. And again, it has nothing to do with his music. It was not eligible for this period, but I, you know, being a public figure, going after the Recording Academy, it's the kind of pressure you need. Uh, apart, okay. from, you need it for more people. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I want to do with the win. I thought it was going to happen too when she wins Pop Album. Taylor was at like zero for four to that point, and I was like, huh, wow. They're actually really going to do do Taylor like that, huh? Have her show up, have her perform, have her sit there, and then win nothing. Wow. But in the process, she becomes the first woman and only fourth person ever to win three albums of Years pretty crazy i can't i I mean you know it was the most significant of the surprise drops and the quarantine albums in 2020 it's also like best awarded rewarded as an album than i think any individual songs that have been nominated so Mm -hmm. i'm not super mad about it even if it wasn't my pick
0: no i'm not mad about it i just wish uh dua had gotten that one but i loved dua's performance Uh, i thought she was great also bts so fire they're just the best performers yeah. out there right now.
1: That's the thing. They're, they're just so good. They've been doing this for so long mm-hmm. that they just knock everyone's socks off. Like, no one dances better than, like, obviously, no. Cardi and mm-hmm. Megan doing what they do aside. Like, <laughs> no one's on BTS's level when it comes to choreography and, and performance no. art like that, you know? Mm-hmm. um In the future, I hope that BTS and other artists like Bad Bunny and Burn a boy can be recognized mm-hmm. in bigger categories and not just relegated to genre. That's the next step we need to
0: see. Right. So yeah, come, and, hopefully. And in my mind, this whole thing has an asterisk because like Dave said, the weekend uh totally snubbed for no apparent reason.
1: Not mm-hmm. that he needed to win everything. That's not the way it goes, but the fact that you don't recognize the critically acclaimed album that's also super popular, made by a famous person, reeks of similar corruption charges we've heard about the Golden Globes recently. Yeah. And it, it sucks. And now he says he doesn't want his label to submit him anymore. That's that's a loss for the Grammys. Full stop. You know, totally. you already have Frank Ocean not submitting. Like this is this is bad.
0: Yeah, and I mean, not not to uh, not to like even rain further on the parade, but another. Uh, winner that would have been a big profile name, Fiona Apple, chose to sit out the Grammys this year, and she won for Best Rock Performance, was nominated in I think two other categories, so you you already have people that don't want to be there, and you just keep isolating more and more famous people, just, they're they're going in the wrong direction, in my opinion, yeah I don't know, anyways, why don't we move on from talking about the Grammys to uh, more specifically talking about Chica the Grammy-nominated rapper for uh, best new artist did not win as we talked about meg the stallion one but chica this weekend dropped a new ep once upon a time and dave uh me not being the most familiar with chica gave the first song on this this record a spin and i was totally into it and i was like oh is this another chicago rapper uh Hmm. No, Alabama turns yeah. out. And I got to say, I really enjoyed this album. I thought it was quick, but I thought there was a lot to uh to like on it. But man, um it's <laughs> it, it sounds like fairy tales the the first track really just sounds so Chicago. Yeah.
1: You were getting no name vibes, crazy. you could
0: say. Um, but I really enjoyed all of it. What did you think of it?
1: making sure we do we have any more lag we could
0: uh it's still red on my end I think like two seconds it might be. Yeah, see yellow yeah. here yeah now it's yellow
1: okay hmm. I was I really a bump. It. okay
0: um all right Can we just do that over
1: yeah just prop throw it back again
0: okay but uh yeah I-, I enjoyed the whole album dave what did you think of chica's newest ep
1: yeah this is her third ep second
0: on warner
1: I was not up on Chica at all until XXL last year, where she made it, 2020. Did not see that one coming. That was very unexpected. Then I dove in, and I was like, huh, she's got two EPs in her name, really only one on streaming at the point. How does she make XXL? And then soon after, a few months later, she makes the Grammys for Best New Artist. I'm like, oh, there, there's a push for Chica. You know, she's, 20, she's, she's not old, she's only 24, but she seems to be like had starts and stops with her career, lots of loose singles out there. Didn't really know much about her, but then I checked out that first EP, Industry Games. That title track in particular really stands out for the, the lyricism and, and the wordplay. And then the song like Crown, which is my favorite song she's made, uh, has kind of like really uplifting message with like a background chorus and background singers. You can definitely hear the Chicago influence You can definitely see her in the future making music with someone like Chance the Rapper or Saba Mm -hmm. or No Name. You definitely see it because the vibes are there. Uh, Going into Once Upon a Time, I was like, oh, another thing. I also didn't know this EP was coming (laughs) until the weekend. Uh, (laughs) But comparing to Industry Games, I was actually a little let down. I didn't think the records were here this time. I think her talent and her ability is obvious. And I'm very uh, excited for that debut album whenever it comes but this is an instance for me where I think a really talented person who has a lot of strengths, I don't know if the songs were there this time. Like apart from Cinderella part one, I, I thought it was a little middling this time, which which is something that can happen when people are like, they, they have all this ability, you know, and you can't harness it all the way. So I thought this was one where it was like, you just kind of see the potential, but like there there's two dynamite tracks on the EP from last year. And I don't know if we have that this time.
0: Yeah, I would say that um, I don't think that this, there's anything like super amazing on this, but I agree that you can really just hear the talent, even just the way that she kind of flows over tracks. Kind of, she sinks into pretty much every single track that she's on, which I think is a testament to her ability to flow well. Um, you know, just wanted to circle back to that first track, Fairy Tales. It does have BJ the Chicago Kid on it, so that might be why he's on it a like... lot, by the way. Yeah. I, I thought he was on too much. <laughs> I, I agree, but I, I did think that that song stood out to me. Um, I also thought uh, Hickory Dickory, she had a pretty strong flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the I think the closing track, Save You, was probably my second favorite off this. But yeah, nothing that I think was like really, really notable.
1: And If th- <laughs> I had one like
0: piece of advice not that i need to be giving her advice but
1: i think she should actually sing less she sings a lot on this definitely more than on industry games and i would say no stick to the rap and she demonstrated different styles again on industry games the track that's a very fast flow and on crown that's more of a like radio friendly pop rap again with singing backing her up and trading places with her you can still incorporate all kinds of singing i think look at how chance has done it I don't know if she needs to be the one singing herself. If you need to use BJ Chicago kid again, fine. But like, I would say stick to the bars.
0: Stick to the bars. Uh, Why don't we shift focus from Chica to some K-pop now? And we're going to start by talking about a very short uh, EP that was released. Just two songs, if we can even call it an EP, are from Rosé, who you may know from the very famous K-pop group, Black Pink, They are K-pop, right? Or do I always get that wrong? As opposed to what? Yeah, they're, they're
1: K-pop. Not
0: all of them are from Korea. Right, I but, think that, that's yeah. what I get confused on. Yes. Um, but Rosé, dropping these two songs, um, you know, uh, I did not know exactly what I was thinking was going to come off this, and I think there is one song on this that's a very clear standout, and another one that is is okay but not one that really stands out to me on the ground i thought was absolute fire flames uh, already added to the playlist gone i was a little bit less impressed with i thought that was just kind of more like laid back you know Mm -hmm. kind of a generic k-pop uh toned down track but yeah Yeah. on the ground the way that the beat flips around the chorus i was like this is absolute fire
1: yeah i also didn't know much of what to expect blackpink to this point going into this two-pack here had talked yg had talked about they're all going to make solo music as well and remain part of blackpink and jenny had released one solo song aptly titled solo and that's all we had gotten since 2018 uh you know watching the blackpink doc on netflix last year light up the sky uh Kind of became clear that rose like she plays the guitar like she's she that's that's part of her musical interest right obviously we haven't gotten much guitar on blackpink songs to date and i don't see i don't know if i really thought they would go in that direction all the way but it's it, it was cool to hear something like this much more stripped down a lot more acoustic moments and playing to rose's strengths and i assume her interests and in terms of what Western audiences can expect from K-pop acts, she was, you know, raised in Australia. She's one of the fluent English speakers in Blackpink. So making songs in English is no big deal. But I think getting this as well, you know, what's not instantly recognizable as K pop music in the traditional sense does interest me because I'm just curious what the future holds for stuff like this. And I agree, I think On the Ground is the more revelatory of the two because of how different it sounds, whereas Gone still has an electronic chorus more reminiscent
0: of other Blackpink songs. Yeah, Uh, I definitely feel like there's just a ton of talent here and, uh, you know, R was released, I think, just uh, Friday, and it's already up to... What eleven million plays for uh, this being the first two songs on her artist page on Spotify? P- yeah. pretty good. So, um, she she's going places, I'd say. And Blackpink especially is just, yeah, you know, well, of course. And almost. and again, it's only two tracks.
1: It's like, man, Blackpink. We get so little music from them. <laughs> Still, you add up the three solo tracks now and all the Blackpink songs. I think we're maybe at twenty official songs, maybe, and. Compare contrast that to the record sales they have and the ticket numbers they've done. It's 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 crazy,
0: <laughs> yeah. The but you know what? Sometimes uh, less is more, and uh, yeah. I appreciate that with them. So, um, definitely enjoyed those tracks. What but wavy a uh, a group um, that's part of a larger group, um, the NCT. I think you're going to break that down more in a second. Um, dropped. Their third mini album, Kickback, um that you know, this past week, and mm. I, I saw you did a TikTok on it, Dave. How are you feeling about this album? I just gotta
1: say, one thing I've noticed getting more into K-pop is they call stuff mini albums. It's like you can just call them EPs, three EPs. You know, like, well, <laughs> what's mini album mean? What's that? I kind of like. Yeah. I kind
0: of like mini album. It's yeah. cute. E- you know?
1: Either way, this is Wavy's third EP. Uh, first project since their debut album in 2020 they've only been around since 2019 that's because as you said they are one of the subunits of nct one of the biggest k-pop groups out there uh you know the probably the second biggest group on sm which of course is the biggest k-pop label and nct in general from what i understand is is a relatively new act you know probably about five years old and they just have so many members and like i've been aware of nct for a while And they released plenty of music last year, but I've been trying to find an entry point to talk about them, you know, and uh, two of the, there's seven guys in Wavy. There's like 20, 23 people in NCT in one form or another. Obviously they don't all work together at all times. It's an evolving fluid thing, but kind of, kind of wild to think of like a a group that large that like brings people in and out and spins off their own members and stuff. Right. And of course uh, Mm -hmm. members of NCT and Wavy were part of SuperM. SM entertainment supergroup so these guys are all over the place right but wavy Mm -hmm. i I thought they were a good entry point because they have a specific strategy from sm and that is china they sing in Mm -hmm. chinese and they are targeting china not all of them are chinese i believe uh lucas is from hong kong but they're doing stuff in mandarin and i'm curious like if, if if that would work right because China's relationship with Korea politically has long been involved in in the arts right they China would rather mm-hmm. Chinese acts succeed we, they don't need to import stuff from Korea right so it's kind of interesting to see right. that kind of strategy and from what I understand wavy as a pride of NCT they still train in Korea they're still based in Korea so I don't know Uh, tough for me to know exactly how accepted they are in 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 china when it comes to you know the music but uh i still like this quite a bit because i thought even for a ep or mini album there was still quite a bit of range on getting back which certainly which which is always welcome
0: yeah and you know even uh even the songs that didn't really stand out as much to me uh i I think i particularly particularly liked the uh first couple of tracks myself um i still thought it was all like well-produced, like decent pop music. And we're going to be talking about some pop music in a second that I feel like maybe was a little bit less inspired, but I feel like, uh, just the, the, the general sound that, that they have. And like you said, there's some range, but just, it feels all very well put together, well-arranged. It captures you for sure. Um, I really liked kickback the first track. Um, one of the standouts to me, um, I thought uh, the horns and action figure really stood out to me. Um, I really liked that as like a I don't know, way to frame the the chorus and just the whole track. Um, and then I really liked uh, good times. Um, I, I thought that our good time. I thought that track was just probably the standout for me off the whole uh, track. What about you? So I
1: gravitated towards the more bangery stuff, uh, kick pack. Kickback, obviously, just more hip-hop and K-pop, and then mm-hmm. Action Figure as well. They both kind of stood out to me because they have like kind of repetitive, almost weak hooks. I thought Action Figure in particular, the so drippy, so drippy thing, I'm like, I'll blame this on the writers. That's just a little, little <laughs> corny for me. But then right after that, you get the, the, the harmony as, as the hook goes out, and I still think the beat on Action Figure with those horns is really good. And then on kick back again, a kind of a repetitive hook with the kickback, back, kick back. Right. Mm-hmm. But then again, once they go out, they harmonize with that ready set. Yeah. Part. I'm like, when, when, when groups harmonize like that, I, I could just listen to that all the time. Yeah. I think that's so great, you know? Yeah. Um, but either way, like you said, I think there's, there's quite a bit of range on horizon. That's just a, a ballad song, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they definitely seem like talented dudes as well. I can understand. Why this mix was put together out of out of NCT again? Can't really speak to the China success, but uh, definitely have liked what I heard so far.
0: A lot of great stuff coming out of K-pop right now, and we're gonna keep talking about it. So hit that subscribe, uh, share us on Twitter and everywhere else. But Dave, why don't we go from K-pop now to a Spanish album from Selena Gomez, Revelación, the EP. Um, Selena Gomez's first full album in Spanish. I think she's uh, recorded a couple of tracks in the past in, uh, in Spanish, but um, this was, this was a, uh, it was fine. I guess is the way I I looked at it. I mean, obviously I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker. I know like barely enough to really get myself by if I'm in uh, a pinch. Uh, So I can't necessarily speak to the, the lyricism of it. I thought Selena Gomez, Gomez's voice was very like buttery on this, like mm. uh, speaking in her, you know, in Spanish and having that like ASMR type voice, almost. It just kind of like melted my my, my, my earbuds a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought the music wasn't like super engaging all the time. Um, and I, I kind of found it like a very nice album, but not anything where I was like, oh, wow, this is a standout to me
1: yeah i agree i i think i have anything i just appreciate the sentiment of it but uh, like a lot of selena music i haven't been wowed to this Mm -hmm. point like we talked about rare beginning of 2020 pre pandemic um which was a long time coming for her in terms of just more solo output right um and lose you to love me was a big hit for her but in general i thought rare kind of left us a little cold and Maybe that's just because I always contrast that just with her overwhelming popularity and success. Right? I think right now she's 12th in the world, monthly listeners on Spotify, for example. She's a huge artist still. And the talk recently of her thing about retiring, whether that was true or not, that definitely got a reaction out of Cardi B, for example. But like, seen as awfully successful. I can't imagine in her spoke wants her to retire, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think this is a positive that she is c- content enough to release a Spanish language album just because she wants to, to honor her heritage, you know, um, even re- reportedly working with the vocal coach to fresh it up on her Spanish to make this actually even more authentic. That's cool. And I, I think of like, you know, the success of someone like Rosalia and of course like Bad Bunny and J Balvin, Ozuna, everyone, right? Like the Latin music is becoming more and more mainstream and just accepted for being what it is. So now if this is where Selena wants to go. She can go this way. That's cool. And I think the labels recognizing that is a positive sign. But yeah, in terms of the music, it still kind of has that Selena vibe in the sense that like vocally she doesn't stand out all that much to me. And because we can't get into the lyrics without looking up translations, I just kind of have to feel feel the vibe, you know. And I wouldn't put this up against like how Rosalia brings Flamenco back. Like it's not on that yeah. level.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to say, I think the the comparison in my mind was Rosalie and just like even if I'm not understanding everything or anything that she's saying, I'm just like this song bangs and I didn't really get that on here. I guess maybe the the final track, um, which was a DJ Snake, uh, you know, produced track. Um, and, you know, uh, she had the song Talkie Talkie back in 2018 with DJ <laughs> Snake and, yeah. and Cardi. And that was uh that was a spanish-speaking song as well i believe um for her maybe i'm wrong on that but regardless i think it, it also just doesn't feel like it's part of this album it's so different and such like a banger yeah, that's type. tacked on for sure just uh, just it's like a tropical pop song wow. yeah so uh I, I appreciate selena doing this but nothing like groundbreaking to me here
1: yeah i'd say if anything is a highlight i think uh by La Conmingo. That's a solid reggaeton track with uh Rao alejandro That one's pretty solid and
0: yeah I like that Danny Deves is
1: pleasant enough, one of the lead singles and uh BCO was alright too. But yeah, I mean i just never been wowed by Selena all that much. Um not that I dislike it, it's fine. It's never I don't think it's ever really that it's ever bad or anything. But I'm just more happy with this sentiment. I hope this continues with artists, you know, like Kaliuchis as a big hit right now, you know, the more the more acceptance we get of international sounds, the better that is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as we keep escalating up to more famous artists, we're into Nick Jonas now, who dropped mm-hmm. Spaceman.
1: I would say he's less famous than Selena Gomez.
0: Yeah, definitely less famous. But I guess uh this is a full size album. Yeah. So oh, I'm another Disney veteran. Seriously. There we go. Yes. There we go. There, there's the the connection. Um, spaceman uh, i guess i'll say nick jonas is everywhere right now right yeah he just he just did snl he's got a movie coming out he's hosting or he's a judge or a coach whatever the voice coach voice.
1: Mm-hmm. did the oscar nominations announcements with his wife
0: yep we got a uh was it last year we got the jonas brothers album was that, that, two, that years two years ago years 2019 spring yeah, happiness
1: summer. begins yeah. So, which was like the second or third biggest album of 2019 by insane. the way yeah huge, and, huge album
0: and the, the the Jonas Bros no doubt are you know beloved rabid fans every all that jazz mm-hmm. Spaceman to me gave me very much Zayn vibes <laughs> um which is you know I don't I don't want to I don't want to bring Zane into this shout out my guy for standing up to the Grammys I really appreciate that especially knowing Everything he has going on in his life now, thank you to all of his fans who educated us in our comments um yeah this this album wasn't it man it, it's very much like uh eighties futuristic type Sometimes. down pop. you know, and I'm just kind of like ah, didn't I guess that that that's when it really stood out to me but I felt like it was kind of going something eighties, but
1: yeah, I mean this feels like Greg Kirsten cash of the check bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. remember who, who Jonas is signed to, but the label just gave Cursed some money and called it a day, I think. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, this is the fourth solo album for Nick, but the first since 2016. It's kind of been a while, um, but he had to come comeback for the group in, in between then. But to me, like this album just kind of snuck up on me. Like, I didn't think there was much buzz for this. There were a few singles, but... And, and nick has had success as a soul act before obviously jealous was big but yeah, huge. this didn't this didn't feel like it was anticipated despite as you said he is at a certain level of ubiquity uh, you know he's in the jumanji movies he's in the really bad tom holland daisy ridley movie chaos walking i see that ad with him all the time he's around he said he's on the voice mm-hmm. a broadcast television show but I, I don't think there was excitement for this and ultimately i think i think that was justified because, I would say it's overproduced. Even if it doesn't feel like Greg kirsten was that involved, but besides giving some beats out, I guess I don't know. It feels overproduced. Look at the last track, "Nervous." Listen to that chorus. Nick Jonas is a talented vocalist. Why on earth is that so drowned out? I don't understand that. But in general, this album it's awfully boring. At the beginning, I, I was basically asleep until at least "Delicious" came on. That that was a more lively tune. You yeah. Know? Um. And I think mm-hmm. there are moments like This Is Heaven, that sax, saxophone solo was great. And in general, I think mm-hmm. that song's pretty pleasant. But I don't think any anything on the album ever wows you for Nick. You know, like the lyrics are about COVID and the lockdown and stuff, but I was never blown away by anything. And it's all quite light. And I, I did kind of laugh at the, album, uh, the, the title track, uh, the song title tracks, uh, like Sexual and yeah. Too Drunk and stuff i'm like yeah, yeah i mean those are basic titles because the lyrical message is also kind of basic usually i guess the tracks
0: also very in line with with the way nick jonas titles his tracks jealous close like these are his biggest hits it's just kind of what he goes Point. for um you know i i i think that middle portion that you just talked about that, that run of delicious this is heaven and then sexual i felt like were probably the three songs that stood out most to me um I also thought "Nervous" was pretty good uh, near the end. Again, we're going for these like one-word titles, but I I dug that one. Um, and yeah, I again I go back to he. It feels a little bit listless. Feels a little bit a little bit aimless at times. Doesn't really feel like there's a cohesive sound or or vision behind this to me. Um, and I think the fact that there's even some things on here that I'm like, ah, pretty good. It's like a testament to the fact that he is really talented, but just something on this didn't come together and it's too bad because this guy, I mean, like you you just kind of echoed before. He's everywhere. Got a lot of stuff going on. People obviously love him. It's just this wasn't it. Sometimes that happens. Yep. Uh, nothing much more for me to say about this. Um, why don't we move on to Cherry. <laughs> What an ender. <laughs> uh, the long-awaited Tom Holland, Russo Brothers uh, team up. Russo Brothers finally getting to do a project that's not an MCU product. Obviously, they're known for the uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War, the Endgame, and uh, Infinity War movie from Avengers. Mm-hmm. So they finally got to do a little, uh, little passion project and... This is based on a book of the same name um, by oh, I had it. Nico. Yes. Thank you. Walker, is it? Yeah. Nico yeah. Walker. The
1: subject of the story. He wrote this, I believe, in prison.
0: Although uh, I don't believe that the Tom Holland's ever actually named in the movie. If I'm yeah. Recalling. I mean, it, I don't know. you know it, who it's supposed to be. Whatever. Yeah. And uh Basically, it tells a story about Tom Holland's character, Nico, um, going from a small town, USA, finding some happiness and relationship, having things fall apart, enlisting the army uh, right after 9-11. So, you know, going to fight over uh, what I can't remember was Iraq he was in. Uh, I can't remember. Yep, that would be Iraq. Yep, probably. And then. um. Yeah, it's coming back from the war, experiencing a lot of horrific things, falling, in, you know, dealing with mental health issues, being prescribed OxyContin, yep, falling into uh, drug addiction and starting to rob banks because of it to feed the addiction and finally getting caught. Um, you know, Along the way, there's a lot of extraneous parts of the movie and there's a lot of interesting choices. This is incredibly stylized. But Dave, did it work for you?
1: No way. <laughs> nah, I thought Cherry was pretty 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 big bad. Um, and I had a feeling early on, like I knew I knew the reviews were in strong. Going in, I was like, oh, oh, this is two hours, 20 minutes. Oh, it's one of these. This 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 is we're getting the whole story, huh? And then it starts off and we get Tom Holland doing narration. I'm like, oh brother, no. Don't do this <laughs> to me, please. And the movie takes so long to get to where it's going. You have this whole middle part, like 30 whole minutes in Iraq, actually with his experience. And it's like, well, well shot moments of brief action, I suppose. But despite the horrors being conveyed there, we we don't get anything like thematically actually nailed down about Tom Holland's character. And frankly, if we had cut that whole thing and just picked it back up when he came back from Iraq had ptsd i think we would have got it it's not a novel concept or anything so I, I think the movie is super indulgent and like it tries to dress it up with all these stylistic choices with these act cards and mm-hmm. when he does ecstasy and the colors all different right he only sees color on on his on his soon-to-be girlfriend and everything else is black and white like stuff like that like all these obvious choices and when he's robbing a bank in the back it says shitty bank you know it's like all this like supposed yeah. to like dress dre- window dressing and edginess it d- it doesn't actually service the movie well so I, I think it's awfully messy i understand why this book was option why they wanted to adapt this story there's intriguing parts about it but i think the the the, the script is just is too messy and weak to kind of really nail anything there's just too much going
0: on yeah and interesting so the screenplay actually comes from the russo's uh sister and uh so Angela Russo, Atzta and Jessica Goldberg. Um, but, you know, I think it's just, you know, it's very fatty, like you mentioned. And I think it also just feels like a movie who had a very specific point to it and gets way more caught up in the the things going on around the point. It, because, I, I mean, I understand that at least, what I was what I took away from the movie was that the way that um people who are looking for meaning in life sometimes find it, and then the way society can sometimes not support them after people make these huge sacrifices, these decisions, leads them to make you know kind of fall down this spiral of of uh, sorrow and you know bad choice after bad choice. Um. <sighs> it just feels like it got so caught up in these moments that didn't matter. You know, I, 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 in my head, I keep thinking about when Tom Holland's working at the Italian restaurant and he's bartending and watching this, you know, he's supposed to like watch this old guy who gets too drunk and is asking everyone if, if they could, you know, pull the trigger on, you know, kill a man and shoot him in the head or something like that. And that scene went on for like 10 minutes. It felt like, and it could have just, you know, if you really felt like you needed to like, prove this point where you're, like, challenging if, if, you know, Tom Holland's kind of guy who could do this and, like, has to be confronted with that question, okay. But, like, make it, like, two minutes. It doesn't need to be as long as it it is. I mean, how many bank robbery scenes are there that are effectively the same thing? There's a few
1: in the middle of that are just repetition. You know?
0: I actually think Holland's
1: at his best in those scenes because his natural, like, charisma kind of comes out as he's ordering bank tellers what to do and stuff. But... Mm -hmm. i mean to that point like you get back from iraq and it becomes a movie about the opioid crisis that's what the russos have been sticking to us about this movie about the opioid crisis like is it is it actually about that i mean to me holland and uh sierra bravo who plays his uh, girlfriend Mm -hmm. do they get married i don't know uh yes they
0: they do get married yeah his
1: girlfriend then wife in the film they they look awfully young I, I don't know if like the passage of time is super well conveyed in terms of them being strung out and on the brink and stuff like yeah. I kind of I, I kind of I struggle with that a little bit um, but just to me it's like if you want to focus on that focus on that you know set it up he gets back from Iraq there, there was way too much pretense and like prologue almost you know right like i think of like beautiful boy which is a movie that i i liked but has a lot of detractors at least that is super focused yeah what's trying to be about you know obviously holland isn't on chalamet's level but the script is also not doing holland any favors here
0: yeah and i didn't feel like holland in and of himself what like gave a bad performance i do i I agree i think you're saying better what i was trying to say before that this is a movie that is so interested in so many things that it kind of ended up saying nothing in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I, like you said, the book that it's commissioned off of is, uh, very interesting. I mean, the, the and I think the story is one that should be told, but I just think they, they tried to be almost like too Scorsese at times with this too stylized and never really got to the meat and potatoes of the movie. Um, I mean, I think there were some things that I liked in the movie. You know, you mentioned the, the uh, bank robbery scenes. I thought those was pretty good. You mentioned the war, uh, the war scenes. I thought those were well shot, especially like when he encounters the, the, the first two people in the field who he has to provide uh met, you know, yeah. services to, I thought that scene was really well done. Um, or when the, the Humvee gets stuck in that, mm. that whole thing, I thought was really good as well. Um, and I also thought, you know, some of the stuff in the beginning, which I think the beginning is probably my least favorite part of the movie. But I think there are some moments that are kind of interesting. Like, I thought it was really funny when he goes to visit his uh, his girlfriend uh, at the party. And he's like, you don't want to be the guy whose girlfriend is up there fucking a ghost. Something like that, I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Oh, the lighting um, for that party scene in that basement. I was like, that looks so really nice. <laughs> it doesn't really track with how he's describing it as some like frat party
0: concrete <laughs> basement I was like, oh, that was pretty good that was pretty clean I, to me <laughs> yeah i was thinking of all the albany houses i went to as a freshman at sienna and i was like yeah none of them were lit this there's nicely. also plenty but, of
1: room to walk around and like yeah. move your elbows and stuff
0: i was like this is, this is unrealistic <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I, I thought there were some things in the beginning that like set up like the the slow torture i also kind of liked um, Coke who was played yeah, Jack by Rainer. Jack Rayner, my guy yeah. from Mid- Midsommar. Uh, I thought everything with him was pretty like, funny and just kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't know, entertaining. But also, shout out to Damon Wayans, who just like pops up as the drill sergeant. I was like, oh, Damon Wayans. Oh, fuck, okay. yeah. That's yeah. right. And the, I mean, I believe- Speaking
1: of those moments, his two childhood friends are played by uh, uh, Gandolfini's son, who he yep. saw in The Deuce. And also, Kyle, the rapper.
0: Yeah. Which, <laughs> uh, <laughs> funny enough. When, when I saw him, I was like, I think I know this guy. And I was like, well, I, I was like, it, Kyle? Like, okay, sure. Um, and also, I, I did kind of like using um, Van Morrison on like the, you know, the chapter cards or whatever as like a way of kind of like transitioning and telling the story. I mean, I, I think if, if you're going to like pick an artist, you could pick a worse artist to do that with. But yeah. overall, I just some of it was way too stylized like the you mentioned the bank names I was kind of like are they going with like a Mr robot thing here where they're just trying to like kind of like say whatever doesn't matter it's just kind of like thrown in you know like yeah
1: there there are moments where like
0: holland's like an unreliable narrator or his memory's fuzzy,
1: but it never stuck mm-hmm. it never stuck to that you know
0: right doctor whomever you know um, right. but yeah, it didn't feel like there was anything uh super poignant about those no. choices so.
1: Um, think about yeah. this we have hollands not post marvel but post Marvel blow up serious roles we have this and we have the devil all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he he can do better i'd think um he said he gave some comments about the uncharted film that finished filming uh, has not left people thinking the movie's gonna be too good <laughs> so and obviously chaos walking was just dumped recently and is supposed to be quite bad a movie that was in development hell forever so uh there's room to grow for tom holland <laughs> apart from marvel let's leave it at that he's still quite young and he's probably
0: the best spider-man so
1: you know oh, yeah no, uh, I'll, I'll nothing nothing against him there i just hope he can branch
0: out more uh well dave that that does it for us this week uh and what do we got coming up
1: just 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 all these insignificant things like a new justin <laughs> bieber album a new lion del rey album the premiere of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus, as well as the long-awaited, yes, it's real, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut,
0: getting HBO good Max. reviews. We'll see. <laughs> uh totally redeems himself, man. uh maybe we'll also get to that like Mickey documentary if we if we have time after we watch four hours <laughs> of Justice <laughs> League. We'll see. Um, anyways follow us at nostalgia pod on twitter uh, youtube.com slash nostalgia pod soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and also david's gonna put the spotify nostalgia best of 2021 in the show notes so click on that follow that We'll maybe we'll tweet it out this week since we will have a justin bieber track to put the top after this <laughs> so some some good stuff with that uh we'll see you all next week peace out